Hello and welcome to episode 37 of Real Life Ghost Stories. We are back once again. First things first, we would like to say thank you to our gorgeous new Patreon subscribers. Thank you. We would like to say thank you to Keelan Chambers. Uh, to Laura Whitehouse. To Nolan Moore. To Devin B. To Ashley Kalucci Dorian. To Jacqueline Zwern. To Benjamin Stroud. To Kelly Lapierre. To Rachel Summerfield. To Anita. To Jennifer O'Grady. To Rachel Milburn. And to Lee Ball. Thank you all so much. Thank you. We do really appreciate it. And we're genuinely astounded by the amount of people that are subscribing to listen to us talk for a little bit longer. Yeah, it blows Thank my you. mind every single week. Our film review this week. Boom, boom, boom. Our film review is Malevolent. It was released in 2018. It has an IMDb of 4.8 out of 10. And Standard. a stunning Rotten Tomato score of 38%. And would you like a synopsis? I would like a synopsis. A brother-sister team that fabricates paranormal encounters for cash gets more than it bargains for when it takes a job in an estate with real paranormal activity. That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. What were your thoughts on this one? Didn't really enjoy it that much, actually. It wasn't bad. It wasn't terrible. It was bad and it was terrible. It just wasn't particularly exciting. It was bad and it was terrible. And it definitely wasn't exciting. Yeah. Just had that um, unnecessarily gratuitous violence. Yeah. Just it, it wasn't really needed for the story. I thought it was going to go one way and it went... Which story? The one one of uh, 100 stories that there were in yeah. this particular film. <laughs> yes. There was three main stories. But none of them really tied together. No. It was a very... And for a film in Scotland, there was a complete lack of Scottish people. I think there was one Scottish character. Yeah, her granddad. Yeah. But this, so the film is based around this brother-sister team in the 80s who go to paranormal cases and they investigate and cleanse houses because the girl, the sister, has inherited a gift from her mother, a gift to speak to the dead. Like, it's all a hoax in order to make money. Now, they go to this um, estate where these foster girls had been murdered by the son of the woman who fostered them and he was like a serial killer and, and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. For a film that was set in the 80s, everything was bizarrely modern. Apart from the disco. The disco that they went to right after they'd been oh, to yeah. the first family. That was very 80s. There's nothing I hate more than when you have a film that isn't just research property or the kind of basic fundamentals like when you sit down and you say, say if you're doing a stage show, when you sit down and you go, okay, we're setting it in the 80s, we're setting it in the 20s we're setting it whenever you sit down and you think about what people wore what people what their language was like as in what their colloquialisms of the time was what their frames of reference culturally are all of those things you sit down and think about nobody fucking did that in this film because they all were looked like they were from 2018 you basically if you want to do it properly you do what strange things did and you make sure you get as many appropriate references in we won't talk about the Ultra Magnus toy that appears in the latest series. Yeah, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, but that, there was like some nods to it. So they went to an 80s disco, which is very clearly like this. We're in the 80s. They were driving an older car. Yeah. Um, and the man, the 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 brother, had his sleeves rolled up on his jacket at one point, which is very 80s. Yeah. But apart from that, it was a problem. But I was more concerned with the lack of Scottish people in Scotland. Yeah, where were they all? I don't know. There's one Scottish character. The rest were all British or Americans. Uh, yeah, it was very, very odd. And the story itself wasn't terrible. Mm. But like so many of these bad horror films, they tried to do so much with this story and try to thread in a bazillion other stories that tried to make it all link together and it didn't. So at one point you realise that the 
brother owes loads of money to these people. I don't know who they were. Yeah. Or where Which they came never from, explained, quantified, or, or why, why he owed loads of money, and that was the reason why they had to do this paranormal case. Now, I like if eighties or otherwise, if I needed to make some quick money, I don't think I'd become a paranormal investigator. If I was like the only way I can make loads of money is to go around and investigate ghosts in people's houses, I wouldn't see that as a way of making see, a quick book. You say that, but they've they actually you got the impression that they got it down to quite a, like it was an easy buck the way that they conned people out of their money in the first mm. story and the fact that they were the first story got them from a newspaper story but there was lots of those little sideline stories that weren't written anything was done with they were just trying to do too much of it well they weren't because they didn't even do that properly i don't know what was going on yeah and the acting was not good either no. the acting was subpar again but the, the actress that plays the foster mum whose name i have no idea who she oh, is she's quite famous she was all right yeah but her role was naff I just don't know what was happening do you know what i would have done if i'd written that film not written it i would have gone with sham investigators Go to a house, find out ghosts are real, get spooked. The end. Yeah, well, they didn't do that though, no, did they? But that's that would have been too easy. Done. Yeah. Because they had sham investigators. Yeah. They had real ghosts. They had serial killers. They had her having nosebleeds all the time. Uh, yeah, that people, was. They would. It just got really bizarrely violent. Dead mum rocked up a couple of times. But then, when you do like gratuitous violence in a film, I think if you're going to do it, which I don't, I don't like it. I don't see the point in it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. But when you do it. Do it properly. Don't have then dodgy makeup for the wounds then afterwards. Because that just takes away from everything. So we also watched a film during the week called Eden Lake. Yeah. Which I think was classist. Yeah. And was a real um, look into the British class system. But we're not even going to get into that. But there is a point in the film where I actually couldn't watch anymore. Because I thought the violence was so well done. Yeah. Like it was disgusting yeah. and yeah. it was awful. But there was a, a bit where a kid put a Stanley knife into this man's mouth and he just, he panics and he just sort of puts the Stanley knife into his mouth and like wriggles it around. Like, yeah. Ugh, and it yeah. absolutely killed me. But then to have really dodgy makeup that is really clearly badly done, oh, it just takes away from everything. They could have got the gruesomeness just from doing the sound of the mouth shot. It didn't need anything else. No, it was just all the extra stuff that just didn't... Didn't make sense. No. None of it made sense, no. really. No, There were various points in this film where I went fuck is going on there were also a couple of points in the scene where someone walked into the scene and it wasn't really explained like there's a couple of times where she's having visions and she sees the the ghosts and then there's another figure that just walks into the scene and it doesn't allude to who it is and you never find out like when she's in the um the lecturer's office oh there's somebody trying to get in the door yeah but that person comes in like you see a man come in but then it's that's never alluded to again and there's other scenes where there's people walking in her peripheral who are not the characters in the scene. But I think it's... You remember in the beginning when her granddad said, oh, and her, her mum used to see people that weren't there. Mm. I think it's probably clumsily alluding to very that. Clumsy. Very, very clumsy. Very, very clumsy. So what would you give this film out of five? One, it's not open house. <laughs> That's my justification. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm old. Mm, is one a bit harsh? Am I, am I being too nice in my old age? Who no, am I? What are you? What's your redeeming feature? Well, I don't really know. I don't really know what my redeeming features are. I liked it started off well. That's what it's getting a one for. And it's not open house. So maybe that's two. But I don't even know if it started off well, to be it, honest. No, the idea, but the idea of where I thought it was going, I was like, okay, I'm on board with this. But then yeah. it just didn't turn into anything. I'm going to give it a two. I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to okay. give it a two. I'm sticking with my one. But I mean, it was it was a terrible film, mm. but it wasn't like so horrific that it was open house. Yeah. Although I did not hate open house as much as you did. 
I must, there must be something about the like there must be someone in Netflix is going we are wasting a lot of our money here yeah like, <laughs> like at, at what point do they watch a film back and go well that wasn't good so what because you're been a, fired I mean the silence we we didn't particularly like it that much but it was mm. worth the investment because it was a good film I thought it was a good film yeah, yeah. whereas like Open House Netflix funded this one Netflix funded bleh, what have you wasted your money on yeah hmm. just make more Stranger Things just just let us watch it before you put it out. Yeah, Netflix, if you're listening, we yeah. can do a deal here. Yeah, you just send us. We'll, we'll review them. If we like them, you can put them on Netflix. If not, you get your money back. I love the way Netflix it, is like one entity in our mind. Netflix, if you're listening. It's a person. It's a single one person. one man. <laughs> His name's Nathaniel Flix. Oh, that's actually quite a Netflix. cool name. So our stories this week. Mm. When I knew we were going to get to this part eventually. Mm. When I went back through my emails this week. I realise that I have 50 stories backed up. Whoa. 50. So I've decided we're going to have to start getting through them. I was really hoping you were going to say... So I deleted them all. <laughs> so we're doing something completely different. Um, we're starting again. Sorry, fuck you all. Whoever sent us in stories. No, we have 50 to get through. We haven't really done that, by the way. If you like zone out a little bit where we were joking. We haven't no, actually no, no. deleted them. No, we haven't deleted them all. So I'm going to tell you some real life ghost stories from our gorgeous listeners. I don't, I tend to don't. I, I, mm. Try again. These scare me a little bit. These episodes. Mm. Yeah, because they come from real people. And they're things I've not heard of before. Yeah, I think they, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. What, like, you're no, going to no, enjoy... No, I'm going to enjoy yeah. watching you squirm. Yeah, I think okay, probably thanks. is a better great. way to put it. Great, great, great. Are you ready for story number one? No. Story number one comes from Beck. I was in my kitchen washing dishes one afternoon, thinking about a story I'd heard about Robert Johnson, the jazz musician from New Orleans. So I turned to my partner, Ryan, who was drying dishes next to me, and said, Would you sell your soul to the devil to get anything or everything you wanted? He turned to look at me with that, what the actual fuck, look on his face. That look that we give each other about 200 times a day. Yes, that look. (laughs) Mind you, he absolutely hates anything scary or supernatural. He even hid his face in an episode of Pretty Little Liars that I was watching one day. Love this guy. Him and Dan are like clearly kindred spirits. (laughs) He knew by the look on my face that I was actually looking for a reply, so he rolled his eyes and said, Not a chance, fuck that. I laughed and asked him why not, and he just shook his head. After a minute of two or silence, I said, Well, I would. He looked at me confused, like he'd already forgotten what we were talking about, and I clarified. I'd sell my soul to the devil to get everything that I wanted. He just laughed and said, You're crazy, and left it at that. But then that night, I had a nightmare. I dreamt that I had woken up in my bed and Ryan was sleeping next to me. It was dark and my eyes took a moment to adjust as I sat up in bed. Turning to look at my bedroom doorway, I jumped and instantly felt terrified. There was a seven-foot human-shaped figure made of black smoke standing right in the doorway staring at me. There were only two sections of this thing that weren't made of smoke. Its long, sharp fingernails and its long, sharp teeth which were now visible as it smiled at me. Without speaking, I suddenly knew what it wanted. It was there to make the deal. The deal for my soul that I had said aloud earlier that day. I was frozen with fear. It started to raise its hand slowly and pointed its long finger directly at Ryan. And I knew the price was Ryan. I looked at Ryan in a panic and wrapped my arms around his still fast asleep head and screamed no in my head. You can't have him. When I turned back to face the doorway, the evil thing was no longer there. 
It was now leaning directly over my edge of the bed, its face and horrible sharp teeth inches from mine. It was angry. I was frozen as it pushed down on my chest with its fingertips, forcing me into the bed and inching its face in closer to mine. My eyes sprung open. I was awake. The black figure was gone, but I was completely paralysed in my bed, still feeling the immense pressure on my chest where it had been pushing down on me. I started to panic. My heart was beating like crazy and I couldn't breathe. I was stuck there for what felt like ages when I finally was able to move. I sat up, covered in sweat, clutching my chest and breathing quickly. I've never had a nightmare or even a dream where I was in my own bed like that before, nor have I ever experienced sleep paralysis. I'm not sure what to make of it, but it was petrifying. When I finally got back to sleep, I had a second nightmare where I had a stick lodged in the top of my head and slowly had to pull it out. When I got up, I swear I could still feel it for an hour afterwards. I have to ask a question. Yes. If you did that and the devil came and pointed at me as the payment, you'd be like, yeah, right. I I probably wouldn't wake up. (laughs) You know me. I I sleep through everything. What what did I sleep through this morning? I slept through a car alarm outside the window. Bim's crying. I slept through Bim. Well, you kind of heard that. Bim crying at the bedroom door. Slept, slept through everything so if the devil came to take your soul and I was meant to go into some sort of battle I just wouldn't be arsed to be honest I'd be like uh, have him yeah bye Dan <laughs> no but in all seriousness hmm. what are your thoughts on this story I don't know speak it see what happens that's not an encouragement by the way <laughs> that was a reflection on that story so um, you're speaking it into existence again yeah but I, I just think right for me whatever you believe there's not a payoff for this what do you mean with it, like making a pact with the devil there's no payoff for it because if it's, if he's not real you don't get anything anyway so what's the point yeah and if he is real you're essentially putting yourself into eternity of slavery yeah but is... for somebody like that jazz musician in New Orleans because he made the deal with Crossroads didn't he yeah. that was that guy and then he died young though Robert Johnson and then that's it like there are some people in the world who are absolutely desperate for fame and fortune in, in while they're alive like that is like to be able to do those things I mean it probably does seem tempting especially if you think well the devil's probably not real anyway so I'm just going to risk it I don't believe in all that kind of stuff but I think it's really weird that she made that pact with the devil or you know said it out loud not made that pact with the devil and then that night had sleep paralysis for the first and only time and it was really specifically about this seven foot creature smiling with big sharp teeth I just think it's like I mean that situation is horrible but maybe it talked her out of doing something she would have regretted, which is good. But I just think if you're contemplating this, I'd strongly advise you not to do it. All right. Given dad vice over there. I just, it just scares me. Like, like the Robert Johnson story is just like, like freaks me out massively. Does it? Well, because he just had this real quick rise to frame. 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 Into the frame on the wall. Uh, it got a really, really, really quick rise to fame and then he died. And he actually never saw anything from it. So is it worth it? But then you think that if you're going to make a pact with the devil or something, like, the devil is always going to fuck you over. So, if you make a pact with the devil being like, I want to be rich and famous, the devil will be like, absolutely fine. And do something like make you rich and famous for, a, like, literally, like, a couple of days and then you die or after your death. So, you know, your family or somebody else, you know, gets all the money that you would have had if you were alive, that kind of thing. In terms of biblically, like, the devil is a trickster. The devil is, he's meant to you know, fuck shit up. So why would you want to make a deal with him? I just, I think it's like one of those, I think it's one of those things that people, like, if it is real, then I think it's one of those things that people get into without realising what they're doing or not really thinking about it. 
Yeah. Like it's short-term success for long-term punishment, isn't it, really? I'd love to know, so Beck, if you are listening, I would love to know if you believe you had a brush with the devil. Like if you believe it was just sleep paralysis or if you believe it was linked to what you had said out loud, even if it was jokingly, like whatever. Or what if. Go on. It was actually like a, like God. Freaking her out. Yeah. Being like. Don't fuck sure? with this shit, Beck. Are you sure this is what you want? Oh, I don't know if God works like that. I, well, it says she. I don't know how any of these things work. So, are you ready for story number two? Um. <laughs> yes. No. Thank you. I can't. You know, I can't physically can't continue until you say something. Oh, okay. No, I went. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's went not noise. <laughs> this is a noise. No. Story number two comes from Adriana. Okay. Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, is celebrated on November the 1st and 2nd. It coincided with the Catholic holiday called All Souls or All Saints Day, but the indigenous people combined it with their own ancient beliefs of honouring the deceased loved ones. They believe that on October 31st, the veil between the living and the dead is at its thinnest, and at midnight the spirits of the deceased are walking amongst the living. First come the spirits of the deceased children. Then, on the following day, the deceased adults joined them. Growing up in a poor town in Puebla, Mexico, I grew up with these customs. Every October 31st, I'd watch my mother set up an altar in our living room, decorated with the pictures of our deceased relatives. Nights seemed to be darker and colder during these times. Our town appeared as a ghost town. The cobblestone streets were darker than usual. The only light came from the lit candles from altars reflecting through our neighbours' windows. I could hear the sound of the howling wind making the leaves rustle through the streets. My parents made offerings to the pictures of our deceased relatives with things such as fruit, flowers, sweetbread, alcohol and cigarettes or cigars for those who drank and smoked when they lived and also the popular offering of the sugar skulls which is a candy shaped like a skull. I remember one night in particular in 1934 when I was about five years old. There was something different in the air that late October night. Every time I walked by the altar, I felt like all the deceased people in the pictures were looking at me. I felt their presence. There was one picture that always stood out to me. It was the picture of my deceased brother Miguel, whom I've never met. He died long before I was born. He was my father's firstborn from his first marriage. He died at the tender age of five from tuberculosis, and his mother had died during childbirth. Every October 31st, I offered him a sugar skull and a toy. I always wanted a brother. I only have an older sister and at the time she was 12. She was a pest and we didn't get along. She would pester me and scare me, telling me that I should be careful who I spoke to during the Day of the Dead because some of those people could be ghosts. She would laugh at me when she saw how scared I would get. I remember that night I was making an offering to my deceased brother. I looked at his picture, stared at it for a while, thinking of how he was my exact age when he died. Later on that night, my parents were praying for our deceased relatives in front of the altar. My mom asked my sister and I to play elsewhere while they prayed. My sister refused to play with me, so I just played on my own with my blue bouncing ball. I bounced the ball hard and it landed in my parents' room and rolled underneath their bed. I followed the ball and knelt down to reach for it. And that's when I felt a cold, small, clammy hand touched mine and it began to pull me underneath the bed. I was paralysed with fear, thinking of all the ghost stories my sister had told me. I then saw the face of who the clammy hand belonged to. It was a familiar face. 
It was the face of my deceased brother, Miguel. I noticed there was a small wooden box next to him, and he pushed it with his opposite hand towards me. I then somehow managed to cry out for my mother. My parents ran into the room and saw the look of fear on my pale face. My nosy sister, Julia, was standing in the doorway watching. My mother held me close, and I rested my head on her chest while I told her what I had just experienced. She then turned to my father, and he looked back at her and nodded his head. My father confessed that in the wooden box were the remains of my deceased brother. He explained that when his firstborn had passed, he paid the undertaker to let him take his son's remains home. The only person who knew of this dark secret was my mother. My father passed away a few years later of a heart attack, and with his body, we buried the little wooden box. Mm. Isn't that a great story? It's a really good story. So Is that just, our oldest ever listener? No, no, so I oh, wanted to clarify okay. that one. So Adriana worked in or works in a care home Ah, and this story was told to her and she requested that she turn it into a um like so she obviously added um the poetic license in the beginning the descriptive bit in the beginning for a gothic literature class that she was taking Ah, cool and she had to submit a real life ghost story that had obviously scared her are you secretly running like a course in america yes i am Mm. a creative writing course I would not be very good at that. But, so it was one of her, it was an older person that she was um, friends with that ah, told okay. her this story. Ooh. But how amazing is that? Yeah. Like, I can't, uh, I don't actually know that much about the Day of the Dead. No, I really I need to, like, learn about it because I think it's, it's it, it seems to be, like, amazing. There's some really good Vice documentaries on it. Is there? Mm. And there's very that new film, isn't it? Coco? Yeah, that I mean that's Pixar. Pixar film that was supposed to be really good <laughs> yeah, though no, about the day of yeah, the dead. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't like they like in some ways it's not too bad because like there's a resolution to it and it's like an expected thing in in the culture. Yeah, but it's just that it's like going to get like doing something as innocent as getting a ball from under the bed and then feeling someone feeling somebody's hand pull you. I in. would lose my mind if that happened. Like. When I was reading it, I was thinking about if it was me and yeah. I went to get something from under the bed because you kind of have to reach in blindly yeah. as well. Yeah. If something grabbed my hand, oh, that's it. I think I'll I'd die. I'd exactly die a death. Happen, because I've, sometimes I go like a little bit with my head under. So if something grabbed me, I would knock myself out. Oh, because you'd just bang go, your Ooh, head. And that'd be it. Done. Done. Ooh. But yeah, that, that thought like creeps me out. I think like, um, you know, not like overly cool with having people's remains in your house, but like I do understand it. I think it's each yeah, to their own. Yeah. It wouldn't bother me if, like, it's, it's like probably ashes as well, isn't it? It's so, probably ashes, yeah. yeah. So if you were, if you said to me, "Oh, you know, I have the ashes of my dead relative, and I want to have them in the house," like, it wouldn't bother me. I wouldn't mm. be freaked out by it. I don't think this is why I don't believe that people haunt graveyards, for example. Like, why would you bother? Unless know. that's why you died. Well, you'd have some massive, you'd have some great fun though, wouldn't you, as a ghost? Because everybody expects it to be haunted, so you would be like just knocking around, going boo, B- boo. <laughs> Yeah, so mm. I just th- love the the cultural tradition of the mm. Day of the Dead. I think it's very cool, but yeah. equally, I would not be fucking with There's that. There's some cracking stories though about like boy under the bed, like leaving alcohol and cigars out, and then smelling the sm- cigar smoke on the evening and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'd find that really comforting or really scary. I don't know which it is. Well, if you leave if you leave if you're going on the basis that you've left it out for your loved ones. You lost yeah, loved I guess. ones. It's just like cool. I guess it's it's allowing them to have that time to celebrate. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, God. I think it's actually a really cool way of doing, like, All Hallows Eve, isn't it? It is. 
it's much better than well it's not as much like obviously there's a fun aspect to running around in a costume I believe that in the Philippines I think it's the Philippines there is a region where they dig up their dead every yeah day. that's on the um, that's on the dark tourist isn't it? we saw it on a dark tourist episode. oh did we yeah yeah I'd love to know then where that idea comes from that dead people stay with their remains. Do you know what I mean? So there's so many stories about like if you disturb the remains of a dead person, then they come back to haunt you and shit. Or if you move the remains or whatever, they come back and haunt you. But that's the first this first person thing anyway, isn't it? First people thing anyway, not first person. That's completely No, different. I got what you mean. Because <laughs> it's like... Thank you for clarifying that. Like if you go back to like ancient... It's all about, like, you think about Egyptians, everything, they buried everything that they needed. They weren't supposed to be disturbed. Everybody got buried with their cats and stuff. You would have loved it. And then, um, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, it's the same with, uh, with the, with Native Americans as well when they used to bury their dead. And, you know, the cow, the, the cowboys got in a lot of trouble for disturbing all that as well because it's, you know, sacrilegious and. Oh. It's like, it's a burial rites. Burial rites is like a really ancient thing. Like, Well, I know, like, in Ireland. Yeah. you know ancient people in Ireland their the burial yeah. rites was really important but even it goes back to like the Angles Celts like most mm. all tribal things got like burning bodies is a really new thing no the Vikings used to do it oh yeah they're true true yeah yeah that's true so it's not really but I think I think you what I mean by burning bodies is like in a crematorium yeah like, and like and then actually just getting rid of it yeah that that is I don't understand that because in Ireland we primarily bury our dead and bring the bodies home for yeah. a couple of days, open casket for everyone to come and see it. Yeah. And then we bury them. So I find, what do they call them? What do you call it when you burn somebody? Cremations. Cremations. You I find that word. Did I? Yeah. I find cremations really weird. Oh no, you said crematorium. Sorry. I've yeah, been I did. I find, I find cremations really weird. They, I don't, I don't, I feel like there's a lack of closure, but then it just depends on what your cultural tradition is. But I find, I, like, I find death culture really fascinating actually oh I love it um, like the Jewish thing with the stones on the graves instead of flowers and stuff like that all, yeah yeah it's, it's just fascinating but yeah I, think, I guess it's just it's that carryover isn't it from traditional burial this idea that actually once they're laid to rest they're laid to rest yeah and you need to leave them alone and yep. not disturb them are you ready for another story we've got two more to go story number three comes from Talia my stepmom grew up in a small rural upstate New York town and her family, the Tunleys, were among the first settlers there. They began their farm there in the 18th or early 19th century and have remained there ever since. This story is one that has been passed down through the Tunley family folklore and it is the one that I was told most often growing up. The story starts with an old wooden grandfather clock that the first Tunley settler brought over with him from his family home in England. The Tunleys in New York proudly displayed the clock in their farmhouse for decades until it simply stopped ticking. It was one of the only family heirlooms brought over from England, so they tried desperately to fix it, but with no luck. According to the legend, all the gears in the clock were in perfect working order, and a tinker could think of no explanation for why it would not tick after attempting to repair it. The clock sat broken in a corner for many years until the family's patriarch, Joseph Tunley Sr., was lying on his deathbed. The clock suddenly starts to tick again in the middle of the night, while Joseph Sr. got progressively sicker throughout the following day. At the time of his death, the clock stopped ticking again, and its hands remained frozen in the position they were in at the time of his death, marking the exact time in which he passed. The clock stayed silent and frozen in this position 
until one day the daughter of Joseph Senior was in the house alone and she heard the distinct ticking of the clock. Shortly after the ticking started, she found out that her son Charles had just fallen from a tree in the yard and cracked his skull. He was brought inside to his bed and the clock kept ticking until the moment that he died. When Charles died, the clock immediately stopped ticking and the hands were once again frozen in place at the hour of his death. The Tunleys kept the clock in their farmhouse for many generations. Everyone in the family maintains that the clock would start ticking whenever a Tunley family member was about to die and always froze at the moment of death without fail. At some point, the family pawned the clock because they believed it was cursed. They aren't sure who owns it now or even if it still exists and they have no idea whether or not it has ever started ticking again since they sold it. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And this this, um, Talia who sent me this story also sent me an article, a newspaper article, about this this particular clock. And during the week, um, Tasha messaged us about, she was listening to the Lighthouse episode where the clock stopped when, apparently when all the men died. And she was, she messaged me and she was like, that's a really common thing. Yeah. So it happened to her uh, great uncle, I think, and his family that the clock stopped um, whenever there was a death in their family. Yeah. What do you think of it? I think I've heard of clocks stopping, but not starting and then stopping again continuously. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's a curse thing to me. It just sounds like it's a warning, but I don't think I'd want that in my house anyway. Kind of like be a on edge, you? type thing. We'd just be on edge all the time. You'd be like, is that ticking? Why? So, I don't know. I don't know if you would. I think you just accept it as a part of life. And then it reminds me of the um, the Weasley's clock in Harry Potter. You oh, know the way they know where everybody is. Yeah, and then there's the one of the hands is mortal, or yeah. one of the things is mortal peril. Yeah, and when Voldemort comes back, all of the family are on mortal peril. That's like that's what it reminds me of. Yeah, doesn't mean they're all going to die. No, no, it doesn't mean they're all going to Whereas die, but I think it's fascinating. You're like, just how, like, oh, who's going to die this time? How does that happen? Is it a curse? That's no, enchantment. By who, though? Cinderella. By Cinderella. That was not what I expected you to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really not what I expected you to say just then. I don't know. You don't, it's just, maybe it's just, I don't know. Maybe you can project energy onto it. I don't know. So It's an odd one, isn't it? Yeah. It's not really, I wouldn't call it a curse because then that would suggest that the clock is in charge of the life of the people. Well, it doesn't sound like it is. No. It doesn't sound just, like it is at no, all. It's just, it's like it's a, just a herald of yeah, death. It's yeah. like, brace yourselves. Yeah. But I don't think I'd want it in a house. I don't think it would bother me. Mm, it would me. Well, I just, I sort of feel like I'm not, I know you're not frightened of death and I'm not frightened of death either. But I feel like death is a bit of an inevitable part of life. And maybe if you've got some warning, like a banshee, or like the clock, mm. that you're emotionally able to brace yourself more and go, okay, I can, I can, something's going to happen. I know something's going to happen, and I'm going to be able to manage it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. It just seems so tied in with like the life of the family, doesn't it? Yeah. I can see. I can see why they got rid of it. I can. So I can understand that. See, I can't. I really can't. Not that I don't think that they should keep it as a prize of place and sit worshipping it and staring at it, waiting for it to start ticking and then panicking and running around and bumping into each other. But I wouldn't get rid of it. I would keep it. Maybe I'd keep it in the loft. Maybe I'd keep it somewhere where you couldn't hear it if it started ticking. So that maybe if that really bothered you, you wouldn't have that pressure of waiting for it to start or waiting for it to stop. Maybe it was cursed. And actually, had they have kept it, it would have fulfilled its curse. 
which and was, it would have driven the whole family crazy to the point where someone just burnt the house down with them all in it and then the clock would have started and stopped that got very dark very quickly again not where I expected you to go okay but maybe maybe that was it better than Cinderella uh, yeah <laughs> slightly better than Cinderella story number four mm. last one are you ready yes one day my four year old son Joshua oh this is from Lisa by the way oh no little kid oh you wait one day my four year old son Joshua was sitting at the kitchen counter eating he must have heard something because he turned his head to look behind him down the hallway he slowly turned back towards me and said did you see that mm-hmm. I responded that I had not he looked at me and he said well, you didn't see that I was getting curious at this point and he said you didn't see that little boy running down the hallway I stopped in my tracks and pretended to be unaffected by the words that had come out of his mouth well good parenting well done I asked him what the that was genuine by the way that sounded really sarcastic no it sounded like he'd been written into the story as if she was complimenting her own parenting oh no 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 I'm complimenting (laughs) her parenting because that's the right thing to do I think in those situations just go oh okay rather than what I would do which is go what the fuck yeah, because then you've taught your kid a bad word as well. Yeah, true. I asked him what the boy looked like, and he said he looked like him, except he was bald. Mm. And he shrugged his shoulders and went back to eating like this was a normal, everyday thing to see. I was shaken, to say the least. A few weeks later, I hung some mirrors at the end of the hallway. Oh, mirrors as well. Come on, what are you doing to me? Joshua came into the kitchen a couple of days later and said to me, You have to take down the mirrors in the hallway. Yes, good boy. I was kind of annoyed that he was questioning my decorating skills. (laughs) But before I had the chance to say anything, he said, The little boy doesn't like to look in the mirror. He doesn't have any hair and he doesn't want to see that. Never have mirrors been taken down off a wall so quickly. Fast forward a few days later and then my husband woke up in the morning and was crying. He told me about a dream that he had had. In his dream, he was at work when a small child came into his work. He said, Hey little boy, what are you doing here? What's your name? The little boy looked up at him and said, I don't have a name, but you can call me little boy. I like that. But don't you know who I am? My husband replied that he did not. The boy said, I'm your son. Mm. I was sick, but now I'm better. I come to your house sometimes to check on you and see if you are all right. My husband said the dream was so real and so vivid. I've never seen him that emotional from a dream. I've seen the little boy a couple of times. The first time I woke up in the middle of the night and saw who I thought was Joshua standing next to the bed. Mm. I put my hand out to pull him into the bed with me, except my hand went right through him. I didn't quite know what to do, but told myself I was dreaming. I rolled over and felt a cold chill go through my body. That's when I knew it wasn't a dream. And that was my first sighting of the little boy. The next time I saw him was in my bedroom closet. I turned off the light and closed the door to the walk-in closet. Upon walking back into my bedroom, I noticed that the door was open and the light was back Mm. on. Initially, I just blew it off thinking that maybe I hadn't really closed the door after all. And as I turned off the light and was closing the door, I saw him out of the corner of my eye, sitting cross-legged on the floor, just smiling mischievously at me. While I am startled when I see him, I do get a sense of peace, knowing that he checks in on us from time to time. You see, I had a miscarriage when Josh was nine months old. The pregnancy was not planned, but very much wanted. A sonogram at 12 weeks showed no heartbeat. We were completely devastated. But is this the little baby boy that I lost? 
No one can really know for sure, but I like to think that he is. First of all, we'll never understand the trauma that you've gone through. And I'm very sorry for your loss. I see. And I do hope that in some way it is your son that's come back. But I'm going to be real here for a minute. I would not be dealing with this as calmly as you are. No, no way. Lisa, you are a bigger person than I because I (laughs) would be freaking the fuck out. Absolutely no way. No way. I'd be like, thank you. I know you've come back to check on us and I really appreciate it, but we're fine. We're leave now. Yes. I mean, there was one good thing. There was a couple of good things about that. Obviously, if it's like the sun, that's great. But also encouraged to take the mirrors down. That's that's a good thing. Always a plus in your yeah, eyes. Absolutely. Um, oh yeah, I just don't like little kids seeing things that I can't see. I love that he just went it. back to eating his breakfast. Like oh yeah, but that was partly because Lisa dealt with it so well, wasn't it? Yeah, because like you said in the story, like it's just that's the right reaction. Isn't it? Kids are none the wiser if you don't react to it. It's like when they fall off things, if you make a big fuss out of them, it's always far worse than it is. Yeah, if, if you, you just go, off. ah, come on, get up. <laughs> if you're my aunt and just laugh at them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, or, or not, yeah, I don't, I mean, that dream is, was really, would have really upset me as well, I think. That is awful. Mm. You know, it kind of ha- reminds me of Dear David. And I know that's like, that sounds like I'm being like. How does it? Because Dear David came to him in a dream. Yeah, but Dear David was malevolent, trying to kill him. This yeah, one was just but like, this one was like before we knew, before we knew that Dear David was trying to kill this him. This one's like I'm just looking. Okay, up like here. a like a like a positive Dear David. <laughs> so like a, a dear, chi- just a child that comes to you. Yeah, just a child yeah. that comes to you in a dream. <laughs> Any child, really, yeah. not just Dear David. But yeah. I wouldn't be having it. I'm sorry. I wouldn't. I, I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to cope with it. And it's the little sightings of him, like waking up and him beside your bed. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Mm-mm. But yeah, but you wouldn't wake up. No, that's true. I would not wake Just up. Just be me. I'd be having conversations with him. I'm trying to sleep now. But you're not going to sleep, you know, but come on. Yeah, but I'm here to say, no, nope, she's not going to wake up. No. No point. Nope. Absolutely t- no. Touch point. as much as she wants. She might wake, She might like talk to you and be conscious of the fact that she's talking to you. So you might as well just come that's back true. when she's awake. That's true. <laughs> it was the cupboard that got me, though, because I don't like... I don't like things being on where you convince you turn them off, and like nine times out of ten, it's because you didn't actually turn them off, or you turned them off yesterday, and you thought you'd done it earlier, but you hadn't. Yeah. But it's just that, and then to go in and see him sitting on the floor, cross-legged. No. Yeah. Oh no! It makes me where I'm sitting right now. So I'm sitting with my legs under my kitchen table, and I've got a um a tablecloth on the kitchen table. And it makes me feel like something's going to grab me under my feet under the table. Do you ever feel like that when you're doing these stories? Uh, no, no, I, but now I you do. Now, yeah, now I don't want to sit at the table ever again. Yeah, so that's when I <laughs> when when we tell these stories, I always get really edgy about my feet oh, being under the table. That's a nice thing to Sorry. to be aware of. And Bim will slowly no. Slow, I was going to say she'll stealthily creep out. No, no, she won't. No, she'll just no, fall no, over herself. Yeah. So we've got some new reviews. Are you ready for them? Yes. Review number one comes from Celtic Boy HH67. What a podcast. Hi, I've always enjoyed ghost stories and I love this series. I'm from Scotland and we have some great ghost stories. I like one called The Death Boggle of the Crossroads. Very weird subject and would love to hear you cover it. Also non-local, the Poltergeist movie Curse. Keep up the great work. Adam. Thank you, Adam. And I bloody love it when people recommend things to us. Yeah, in the review as well. (laughs) Because it's it's always stuff that I think... Right, I'll, I'll look that up because I haven't heard so, of it and it always ends up being really good. Was that a haunted game of boggle at the crossroads? Is that what it's called? That is exactly what it wasn't. Oh. 
Maybe it's not a boggle. Maybe it's a bogo. I don't actually know. Bogle's a game, right? Yeah, bogle is a game. It's mm. a word game. Review number two comes from Eleanor Rigby 2. And it's entitled... Eleanor Rigby. We keep singing in our episodes lately. We need to stop doing that. Everybody loves Or continue it. <laughs> Either or. Lovely podcast. I greatly enjoy this podcast. It has both spooky and fun funny elements I highly recommend this show thank you and I'm going to do one more I'm going to do one more for the crack okay and the last one comes from Kamsky1 best paranormal podcast these two gems somehow make this podcast more terrifying they're so down to earth and have nothing to either prove or deny it's true we don't know what, what we're doing no so that just goes for general it hurts that the episode length isn't longer oh it hurts oh, oh sorry Having banged these all out over the course of two days and have thus been unable to sleep or be alone for the duration. <laughs> Hideous. <laughs> I do get like that after certain episodes. The Japanese uh, Urban Legends episode and Japanese Ghost Stories episodes I mm. r- really freaked me out. Re- and the listener episodes like you always freak me out more than anything else. Because I always think that whether or not I believe the stories, whether or not I think it happened in the way it happened, I always do believe that something has happened to that person yeah absolutely so I don't there's never a part of me that thinks oh somebody sat down and, and written this story to make something up whether or not it's paranormal that like we've all been in that situation where we've been absolutely deathly terrified of something and you never quite get an explanation no. for it and that is I think that is what ghost stories is all about doesn't matter because people people get funny where they're like oh that story's not real or this story's not real and it doesn't really matter no and something happened yeah exactly exactly something happened and I've been in that situation where something happened to me, as in when I saw the the um, black eyed ghost, black eyed peas, black eyed peas in concert in the in the yeah. That, I mean that was an experience and um, traumatized. No, when I saw the black eyed ghost in the asylum, the person who I went to to like check it out didn't believe me, and that was really fucking frustrating because mm. whatever happened, I saw somebody. But you've always said that's what scares you most about aliens is not being believed, doesn't it? Yeah. Because if I said to you, I've been abducted by aliens last night, you'd be like, no, you wouldn't know because you didn't wake up. That's what you'd think. You'd be like, don't be <laughs> ridiculous because you don't wake up. To be up. fair, that would be my first thought. But yeah. having known how petrified you are of them, I think if you told me. And I also believe everything you say, even when you're on the wind up 99% of the time. Yeah, it's true. So I'm not the person that you should be worrying about not believing you. <laughs> that is very true. And if you enjoyed this week's episode <laughs> and you want to hear more, you want to hear more paranormal would you rather you want to hear more true crime ghost stories might hear a new 50p movie club you might hear some new 50p movie club maybe Uh, some stories about Irish myth and legend you want to hear all that go and sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories where for five dollars a month you get access to all of that all of our back catalogue that hand action was amazing i wish you could have seen it i wish you could have seen it and for two dollars a month you get access to our 50p movie club back catalogue and also our newest episode of tales of the high kings which is a store which are mini episodes about irish lore and legends told by me obviously and if you want to come and talk to us, you can come and talk to us on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. Boom. Or on Dan's Instagram at 50p Movie Club. And we're kind of very, very active on Instagram. But if you really want to get in contact with other members of this paranormal community, the best thing to do is to go and like our Facebook page, Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast, and join our super secret Facebook group, which is RLGS Supergroup. 
where you need to answer a question to be allowed access. And the question is, who presents the podcast? And that is Emma and Dan. That's us. Hello. And Tiny Boobs. And Tiny (laughs) Boobs. And also we are on Twitter at Real Ghost Pod. And that's about it, isn't it? It is. That's all our socials. Yeah. And if you are listening to this and you've actually made it this far and people listen to the end of the episodes, which I highly doubt that they actually do, please go and leave us a review. Yes. Because uh, I love it. I love it when people, I love reading reviews. Some of them are hilarious. So. We should like slot a story into the next episode at this point. Just so that those who have listened to the end get an extra bit. <laughs> yeah. And you'd be like, ha ha. Or give them some like really juicy gossip about yeah. our lives, which of which there is none. No. We'd have to make something up. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bon voyage. Bye.